0: from John, chapter 17, verses 15 through 26. I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Set them apart for holiness by means of the truth. Your word is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. On their behalf, I am setting myself apart for holiness so that they too may be set apart for holiness by means of the truth. I pray not only for these, but for all. Also, those who will come to trust in me because of their word that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are united with me and I with you. I pray they may be united with us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, so that they may be one, just as we are one. I united with them, and you with me so that they may be completely one and the world thus realizes that you sent me and that you have loved them just as you love me. Father, I want those that you have given to me to be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these people have known you that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will continue to make it known to them, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I myself may be united with them.
1: Hallelujah, Lord. We bless your name. And... Uh... Thank you, Lord, that you know our need to hear from you. And thank you, Lord God, that uh, you are not limited through the pots of clay. But we thank you, Lord, that you have been here all day, Lord, all morning. And our desire, Lord God, is to hear from you. And Lord, we... uh, look at this unbelievably profound portion of scripture and um, we ask Lord God for each of us to have ears to hear what it is that you want us to receive today and so we ask Lord um, that you would bring it about and we ask this Lord in the name of Yeshua our Messiah. Amen. Amen. You know, th- this is one of these portions of Scripture, by the way, which really is Yeshua's prayer, uh, because He's praying. And um, Yeshua is preparing here for His death and resurrection, His ascension, and uh his prayer tells you a lot about who he is and what matters to him and as Paula was reading this portion I'm sure you realized over and over and over again in this portion that Yeshua prays he asks the father that his disciples should be one as he is one and so I felt led for this coming Shabbat and actually for the next few Shabbatot um, to address the issue of unity, especially as a good number of us are preparing and considering uh, membership, um, which for us is something real crucial. Obviously, it's not about signing on a dotted line. It's really expressing a willingness to make a commitment, a covenant commitment, which in our day and age and in our culture is not something that comes naturally. In fact, I would say commitment is a C word. It's a word that that is in in a dictionary, but we don't particularly care to to use it because it Wrongly, we assume that commitment restricts our, our space and limits our ability to do things. You know, the funny thing is that we always love it when someone is committed to us, but we sure feel somewhat allergic to the notion that we have to become committed to them. It's a funny thing, isn't it? So Yeshua devotes a lot of time in this passage, in this prayer... To the notion of unity and um, unity is something that doesn't really come naturally to us either I mean the both are obviously very closely related but I would say when you look at our society what is normal to us is not unity but disunity you know as I was preparing What came to mind was a, um, an episode from Star Trek and those of you who are tra- fellow Trekkies, you can relate um, and even if you're not you can understand the, the picture here. There was one episode in which uh, the star- uh, Starship Enterprise beamed uh, an alien and he was a very peculiar looking fellow. Um, he had the coloration was black on one side and white on the other side. And, um, then, and, and he was beamed up from, a, from a, um, a planet that was essentially destroyed. Then shortly afterwards, um, another alien came on board. He kind of beamed himself up. And um, he had black on this side And white on this side. And he expressed to Captain Kirk and and the staff, and the crew rather, the fact that he was obviously superior to the other fellow. In fact, he was there chasing this fellow who was a political traitor. And according to him, he had been doing that for 50,000 earth years. And um, so the two of them were arguing uh, about racial segregation and so on and so forth and they almost started to go into blows with each other and Captain Kirk had no choice but to allow them to be beamed back down into this uh, destroyed planet and knowing that what they were going to do is fight each other. Obviously, an an extremely extreme and and ridiculously foolish example of disunity. But when you think about it, more often than not, what seems to be natural to us is not to come together, but to come apart. Um, Here's a statistic that I read that the... um, Um, the Center for the Study of Global Christianity at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary estimated that there are 34,000 denominations in the year 2000 and that in 2012 the number has risen to 43,000 denominations. Um, And lest you think that on the synagogue side, things are a whole lot better? Well, yes and no. If you go to any synagogue that is orthodox, any place, you would find people reading the Torah and Haftarah portion very much the way we do, except much longer, and have similar liturgy. But uh, reality is that of the six million Jewish people in the United States my estimation is that there are 6 million Jewish denominations because basically the mindset is what I do is Jewish because I am Jewish Um, makes perfectly good sense in this day and age that worships the individual And so you can see that in that kind of uh, environment, we come together and it's rare for us to really have a basic organic grasp of what unity is. Um, We may see unity as the opposite of disunity, but there's much more. And I anticipate during the next several weeks to delve into that, both the positive, what is unity, and also the negative, what is disunity. With one interruption, and that is that uh, Bill Bjorker from Operation Ezekiel, which is a ministry to Israelis in Los Angeles, he will be here on the 7th of February. When we think about it, at Yeshua Zion, we have a great deal of diversity if you've been with us for any length of time you'll see that that's an, an obvious statement we have diversity of gender race ethnicity political views church and synagogue background age difference and so if we were if we decide to divide we can divide at the drop of a hat over a number, over a million different reasons. So unity for us is not something that comes naturally. We have to choose to bind together, to unite around the Lord and around the vision that he's given us as a congregational mishpacha. Now, if you're here with us um, about a year ago, We spend much time talking about um, the book of Acts chapters 1 and 2 where we saw that where there was unity, the power of God was unleashed. And let me just rattle through a number of statements in the book of Acts that make it very clear that these early disciples of Yeshua were together. Not just physically together, but together in heart, mind, and purpose. Acts chapter 1, verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer. When the day of Shavuot or Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. This is Acts 2.1 and then 2.44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Acts 4.32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. And you can argue that this could be viewed as a chicken or the egg kind of a thing. Which was it first? Was it the power of God or their determination to be together? In a sense, it really does not matter. The point simply is that we can either make a determination that we want to be one, or we can look at each other and say, you know... You looked at me funny today. Uh, You were twitching your nose, therefore you you don't like me. You think badly of me and I'm going to return the favor. And Lord knows I've seen this over and over and over and over again. That sometimes it really doesn't take much for us to head in, in the wrong direction. You didn't sleep well. Your kids were giving you a bad time. You come to service, somebody stepped on your bunions, God forbid. <clears throat> and by the way, God does some wonderful things when we get our bunions stepped upon. And that's for another, another time. The question really is, what does unity look like? So, uh, first of all, I want to begin not with a negative, but with a positive. It's somewhat like the uh, treasury agent's that are trained to spot the counterfeit. They first of all are trained to notice in great detail what the real thing looks like before they're given the counterfeit. And it's the same thing with us. If we understand what a heart of unity is about then we will be able to spot this unity but really more to the point, we have to realize that unity is the heart of God. Let me say that again. Unity is the heart of God. This unity is not part of His scheme of things. And I wanted to begin with a simple statement that unity begins with who God is. In other words, God is one, therefore He is the template or the model for us, therefore we want to be like He is. That's normal. Anything else is disordered or sick. And Yeshua makes a number of statements about how God is one, how He and the Father are one. Let me just rattle through a number of these in John 10.30 I and the Father are one John 14.9 anyone who has seen me has seen the Father John 14.10 don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me Then verse 11 believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me now folks part of reality when we read John chapter 17 you have to approach it with a deep, deep, deep sense of humility because what Yeshua is saying here flies over our head in Mach 15. The truth is philosophers and theologians have written books upon books upon books exactly what this means and I seriously doubt that there is a single human being that fully understands what Yeshua is saying here. So it's okay to say I understand this much and what I need to know God will give me in his time mostly that God will give me a fuller understanding when I see him. Then I will be able to get it. Right now, I don't need to know everything about who God is. Remember that our knowledge of God comes to us not because we sit and figure things out. That folks is what leads to mysticism and particularly in Judaism and other traditions the approach to understand God leads to all kinds of crazy stuff and the word of God tells us that God chooses and God desires to reveal himself to us and we simply need to say Lord would you please give me the spirit of knowledge and revelation to know you better? Very humbly. Recognizing the fact that that you know this much about God and you need to know more and he will give you more. But part of what Yeshua says here, what he does is he gives us this picture of what it was like way back in eternity past that we really can't get our arms around. That's reality. Um, and I just wanted to read a couple of statements the very beginning of the chapter and the very end of, of chapter 17. Verse 5, Now, Father, glorify me in the presence with the glory I had with you before the, the world began. Then all the way in verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and see my glory the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. What did that look like? I don't know. I don't think any of us really knows other than take at face value what Yeshua is saying here. Somehow, the complex unity of who God is was there before the world, before the dinosaurs, before any of that existed. And it will continue way into eternity future. Somehow, what it simply means is that Yeshua shared who God, who the Father is. Um, Paul makes a statement, For in Messiah all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Again, things we know, things we don't know. Scripture does give us enough information. For instance, um, one of the songs we sang today talked about the worship of the Lamb. And so, as you look at the book of Revelation, you know, remember that in Revelation, by the way, it's not about prophetic charts, Revelation is about worship. That all kinds of crazy stuff goes on here on the earth with the anti-messiah and, and, and um, the, the wrath of God and so on and so forth and people being defiled even worse than they are today. And then John is beamed up to heaven given this awesome, mind-blowing revelation of who God is where, and sees that everybody is worshiping God and he's brought back down, sees all this stuff then he's brought back up and so on and so forth but at the very beginning in chapter 4 and chapter 5 we see almost identical scenarios with how the Father is worshipped and how Yeshua is worshipped let me just read to you a couple of the statements there Revelation 4 you are worthy O Lord our God to receive glory and honor and power For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Then in chapter 5, in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. So, Yeshua is not the Father, the Father is not Yeshua. We we simply need to, to bear that in mind when we talk, when we pray. Uh, the Lord will not throw a lightning bolt if we get confused a little bit. But simply to realize that who God is is way beyond us, which I think we already know. And Yeshua is simply explaining to us that a major aspect of who God is is that He is one. We say that each Shabbat when we recite the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Which can be translated to mean he is the only one. So why have unity? Why be one instead of looking at each other and trying to homogenize each other? Trying to make sure that we're all on the same page in each and every single issue. I have news for you. That's not possible. And even if we come to a point where we agree on all kinds of issues, we would still argue and disagree. That's human nature. Why have unity? First of all, it mirrors who God is. If we want to be like the Lord, then we want to set our our face towards a commitment to unity. That is normal. Anything else this unity which again comes naturally to us is something that we have to say that's not where I want to be as I mentioned earlier um, Yeshua makes that very clear there are four statements that Yeshua makes in this prayer that emphasize the fact that we his followers need to be one as he and the father are one John 17.11, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name so that they may be one as we are one. 17.20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and I are one. Excuse me, just as you are in me and I am in you. Then 17.22, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. And then finally, 23. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity. Let the world know that you sent me that I have, and have loved them even as you have loved me. And I want to park on that last statement. May they be brought to complete unity. Think about that. Does unity with fellow believers does that come instantly no. don't you wish that God will give you a unity pill that you swallow and that every everybody will be one it's a process it's a process it takes, takes time and sometimes it takes rubbing yes when God puts a building together of living stones what do you think happens when he puts One stone together with another stone. None of us are completely true. There are edges in this one, there are edges in that one. And God somehow has to shave off the edges in this one and shave off the edges from that one. And so it doesn't feel very good. We don't enjoy the process. But it produces good fruit. Because somehow God and His power is able to bring us together. That's his heart. Why have unity? First of all, we we want to be united because this is who God is. Second of all, unity is best for us. And this is something over 25 years of ministry, folks. I have pulled what few hairs I have left because I see people are, are determined to divide over anything and everything. And Yeshua's instruction, which we'll talk a lot in several weeks, Yeshua's instruction for us how to deal with conflict is one of the most misunderstood and least followed instructions that Yeshua gives us in Scripture. It's very emphatic very somewhat simple and yet one of the least observed Torah instruction that is there for us. So unity is God's best for us. In fact, you find that the people who are disunited are the folks who are least mature spiritually who are underdeveloped spiritually good example of that you find in corinthians where paul says to the corinthian believers you guys have oodles of spiritual gifts and yet you're a baby spiritually why because you don't know how to be united you fuss with each other So, when we make a choice to become one, again, it's a process that we work towards and we pray towards. By the way, that's something we at Yeshua Tzion have prayed for years and years and years. And we'll continue for ourselves as a mishpacha, as a body, but also for the larger messianic community and the rest of the believing community. And we're seeing fruit to, to that prayer, we're seeing answers to that prayer but it's, it's been a long time coming and all of that somehow is a process of maturation and development that God puts us through a, a, an excellent example of that is in Ephesians 4 where Paul speaks about a group of believers being very much analogous to a physical body And that in a physical body if the thumb decides to go on a strike or the eye decides to go on a strike or the nose decides to go on a strike we have some basic problem. However, when each of us contributes from what God has given us for the good of the whole then we give and then we also receive what we need and together we grow into maturity in the Lord Amen. folks I don't know about you but I, I want my desire for myself and for Yeshua Tzion is that a year from now we will be farther along in our relationship with God we will be farther along in maturity spiritual maturity than we are today there will be more fruitful a year from now than we are today that requires us learning to bind together, so again, unity is something we want because it is good for us, and unity is something that we want because Yeshua prays i don 't know if you get that that you know we think about yeshua 's ministry he he came, he died on the cross or the execution stake depending on your uh, preference he rose again and that was 2,000 years ago he's coming back again at some point where he'll fix everything put everything in order and at this point really not sure what he's doing which is problematic because Yeshua He's not dead. He's alive and well and active. And the book of Hebrews gives us all kinds of information about Yeshua's activity. We, of course, don't go to the book of Hebrews because it is very much like Leviticus and we don't like Leviticus. You know, we kind of fast forward through through Leviticus because of all the blood and gore and so on and so forth. But the book of Hebrews gives us all kinds of information about the fact that Yeshua is alive and well and and engaged in working on our behalf. One of the most powerful statements for me is 725. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Now again, don't ask me to explain exactly what that looks like. I haven't been beamed up to the heavenly court. But somehow, Yeshua is in in interaction with the Father and intercedes for us. In other words, He prays for us. And He prays for us not only individual. In other words, you see this Bozo Chaim over here. You see what He's doing. He is really about to go off track. Would you bring Him back in? But as well for, for us as... As a congregational mishpacha, he wants to see us moving in the direction that he is, that the Father has laid out for us. He intercedes for us. He is working. God is working in us as individuals and as as a mishpacha, as a body, corporately that, folks, again, is something that, as it happens, we grow into maturity closer to the Lord. And what I have seen, folks, and please hear me, what I have seen is over the years that the people who are closest to the Lord are also closest to each other. And that the people who have major fits with other fellow believers are the people who have major issues with God. Because that speaks very clearly about the fact that either you welcome God to come in and do His work and deal with you about your reason for disunity or else you continue in that same frame of mind and you're basically stiffening your neck toward God's towards God's work in you. God is committed to bringing about unity in us. And we don't get it. We don't get it, folks. We don't understand what it's like to encourage one another. What comes naturally to us is not to encourage one another, but to put each other down. There's a whole industry committed to that. You know, they stand up comedy routine folks. Which y- you sometimes enjoy, sometimes you don't enjoy. But you think about what they do. The, 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 the entire industry is based on poking fun at others. And we absorb that and we buy into it and instead of instead of looking to see God's best in each other instead of praying for God's best in each other, we are given these gigantic magnifying glasses where we see all the warts in each other and we can describe in great and nauseating detail <laughs> the faults that each other has. That's normal for us. It's abnormal as far as God is concerned. Because He wants to see us learning to become one. And part of the picture, of course, is that not only are we inclined towards disunity, there are spiritual powers of darkness that promote disunity. Because when there's disunity, there's destruction. And what does Yeshua tell us about the evil one? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So that's why Yeshua spends a lot of time in this prayer asking for protection for his flock, his people. Father, protect them by the power of your name. I have protected them. My prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one and folks that's a huge one if we attack and harass each other put each other down what are we doing well we're not doing god's work are we we're doing the work of the evil one the lord is adonai shalom the god of wholeness completion and peace that's his work So yes we have all kinds of negative experiences and sometimes I chuckle when folks come to Yeshua and they think that we are absolutely the cat's meow and um, I, I sometimes graciously try to disabuse them of that notion and remind them that we like other congregations are populated by sinners. Hopefully Sinners who are in process of being healed and, and restored and strengthened and empowered to do God's work. But we're sinners. And so part of what happens is that we can either embrace that reality of God's program, God's strategy for us to learn to grow together into maturity in Yeshua. As one to share the same, the same vision he's given us. Or else we can come with what I would call the Velcro connection. You know, you attach, you detach. You attach, you detach. We see all kinds of folks doing that. Real easy. My friend Tefalowski likes to say that unless, if God calls you somewhere, Again, if God calls you somewhere, unless you see really way, way off the wall teaching, b- bizarre doctrine, or you see major sin, and I don't mean someone hitting their, their thumb and saying a word that's not in, in Scripture, you stay put, you learn to persevere. You learn to grow together and through the rubbing God produces maturity. God brings about healing. God brings about transformation. As you learn that through the process comes God's greatest work. Again, remember unity is not homogeneity. God doesn't put us in a blender and we become Gerberized you know Isaiah and I sat and watched a movie called The Giver which is kind of a uh, bizarre movie about a uh, post-apocalyptic it's funny to see my grandson saying post-apocalyptic um a society in which uh, a society that is hermetically sealed, it's all one community, um, you don't have differences of dress. Everybody wears the same kind of color. There are no strong expression of emotion. People don't, are not passionate one way or the other. And um, the highest good there is sameness. Well, that's not God's best for us, folks. Because unity is unity and diversity. It's somehow that God takes us from different backgrounds, different personality, different ethnicities, different age, different, 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 and makes us one. How that happens is a miracle. We're told that this is part of the working of the Spirit of God the knitting of our hearts. And finally, I want to s- simply say that not so much if, but as God works unity into us, what kind of a statement do you think that makes to the world? If the world around us, the unbelieving community around us, sees how believers live and, and they snicker What will happen if we and other congregations like ourselves demonstrate to the world that God is the one who has brought us together? What a powerful, powerful statement that is of of the grace of God. It shows, unity shows how awesome God is. And yes, we struggle. And yes, it is a process, but somehow, as we take seriously what the Word of God tells us about God's heart for unity, and as we pray in that direction, and as we endeavor to move in that direction, we know that we'll experience God's blessing, God's best for us. Individually and, and corporately. Remembering that unity begins at the highest echelons of the kingdom of God. Because, the, because God is one. He expects us to be one. Yeshua prays for unity again and again. God is at work to promote unity. And we can either collaborate with him, cooperate with him, and say, yes, Lord, of course you're right, we want to move in that direction. Or we can stiffen our our necks and say, Lord, I've got too much pain, and -and so-and-so will never change, and if I open my heart, I will get clobbered again, etc., etc. Folks, we have choices. We have choices. First and foremost... Not so much to trust each other, but to trust the Lord and to pursue His agenda. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge our foolishness in all the instances, Lord, when we demonstrated that we are entitled to our sin we want to repent of that Lord we want to honor you Lord with our attitude towards one another we want to grow together into maturity in you Lord we pray Father God that you will give us one heart as are one we pray Lord God that you would teach us practically what that looks like we pray Lord God that where there is disunity that your Ruach will convict us of sin where we have sinned and pour out your love that covers a multitude of sins Lord God to provoke us to repent and to seek your best Lord and become united as are one. Father God, we ask for your work of transformation in our lives. We welcome your rule, Lord. We delight in knowing that you are at work to will and to do your good pleasure. We ask all of this in the name of Yeshua. Amen.